0: Pineapple Radio is presented by Chase Sapphire, the credit card that helps you earn more so you can explore more. Like us, Sapphire believes in the power of exploration for finding new sources of creativity and inspiration, even while staying at home. Learn more by visiting chase.com slash sapphire beyond. I'm Shanika Hillocks, a writer, industry advocate, lover of all things culinary, and this season's Pineapple Radio host. Pineapple Collaborative is a multi-channel platform for all people to express their style, identity, and values through food. Whether through digital events, original content, or our new Women Made Pantry product line, Pineapple is all about celebrating the ways we share who we are through what we eat. Pineapple Radio invites people we pine for to discuss the ideas, brands, and movements changing the food world's landscape. From policymakers to chefs, from the culture of agriculture to entrepreneurship, and from food media to food banks, you can listen to past episodes of Pineapple Radio over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This season of Pineapple Radio is presented by Chase Sapphire, the credit card for those who want to explore more in the world of food, whether at home or abroad. In the final episode of our mini-season, we're speaking with Elena Besser, a producer, trained chef. Instagram personality and host of her latest show, Breakfast with Besser. We'll cover what it's like to cook and balance life in the digital age, her mission to provide support and exposure to the next generation of great chefs, and her food trend predictions for 2021. Elena, thank you so much for joining us. This is our final episode of season two, so I just wanted to welcome you and we can go ahead and so exciting. What an honor to be the final (laughs) episode. I know, I'm kind of in a bit of disbelief and I feel like this theme is is kind of the same sentiment of how I feel about 2020 in general, but here we are in December. So thank you again for joining us. Um, So let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, So personally, I have followed you on Instagram for some time. I've watched your career blossom primarily on the outlet. So I'd love if you could share with our listeners how you got into the culinary arts and and where the pivot to
1: production and on camera came into play. Yes. uh, Great question. So it's actually interesting because My original path was in the production and on-camera world. So I found food a little bit later on. Um, But my first gig was I moved to New York to run the video department at a food media company called Spoon University. So um, they hired me to develop their whole department. And it was such a great time to learn The ins and outs of it was kind of the beginning of the food video movement. Um, It was during the tasty years, early 2014, 2015. How viral can we make a video was our mission. Um, And I learned a ton there about making stuff viral. And then um, through my time there, I got really into food and decided that I wanted to leave to pursue food professionally. So um, I went to culinary school. I got my culinary degree. And then um, I found myself cooking at Lilia, a restaurant in Brooklyn under um, Missy Robbins, who to this day has been an incredible mentor to me. Um, I did savory during the week. And then I ran the pastry program on the weekends there for their cafe. Um, and then through my time there, I fell in love with more of the the quality of food and the restaurant side of food. It all started in the media space, then it shifted into the restaurant space. And then I eventually left because the lifestyle was really tough for me. Um, Crazy hours, really intense conditions. I wish I had it in me to continue working um, at other restaurants and for longer, but I eventually got to a place where I decided to leave and do some uh, consulting on the side. And then I launched my YouTube channel. And through that, I was able to have a few other opportunities to do on camera. So it's been a journey. But I would say that right now, my goal in general, my point of view and my goal is to empower young people to really feel confident in their own kitchen. Um, and in the ways that I feel confident as a result of working in restaurants, uh, I really think that people can enjoy restaurant quality food in their own home. And that's really what I'm trying to showcase to people. Um, I love that.
0: And I think, yeah, I think it's so (laughs) relevant given the time in which we're living. Um, I know for several of us and like you have had, you know, touch points that where restaurants are really prime highlights of our careers,
1: Mm -hmm. our livelihood,
0: particularly living here in New York City and, and kind of having that on pause or even in some cases totally removed from our lives has definitely allowed and inspired me as a home cook to really pivot and aim to kind of recreate some of those beautiful dishes, even the ambiance at which I do experience at a restaurant. And so I love that your mission really aligns
1: and is in the same vein of that. It's it's super relevant as to how we are living currently. That's the thing too, is like in general, like I know part of this question is that if you talk about family traditions and and you know, creating written recipes in the heirloom traditions, I really believe that uh, in general, in my career path, and I feel like you probably align in this way, there was a period of time where I used to look for validation through everything I did. When I was working in the food video media space, we were chasing the views, chasing the eyeballs. And, and now I'm, I'm not so much interested and excited about that as much anymore. Now what I want to do is just help demystify the kitchen and and help people feel confident to start building their own traditions. Um, I don't live necessarily from like to like. I just hope to spark creativity and confidence in someone who otherwise would you know, order food online or use their microwave to heat something up. <laughs>
0: Totally. Yeah. And you kind of answered that uh, question pretty seamlessly, but I just wanted to kind of reiterate for our listeners so that way yes, we can travel totally. in, in this point. But yeah, so to your point, I think like several of us, introduction to food came through family kitchens, uh, written recipes. You know, I come from a home where my grandma had several books, uh, also peppered in with her own sheets of paper with handwritten recipes as well as some of those. Yeah. Some of those things that are passed down. And I think to your point about from like to like, we're seeing really digital replace so many of those, um, more antiquated or just even traditional agnostic kind of Mm -hmm. ways of, of taking in information. And so I'd love to know, and you can totally expound on this point that you just made earlier, but your personal point of view
1: on, on what this new wave of cooking and sharing online is for you. Yes, totally. Um, I really think That at the beginning of everything, it was all about chasing likes. I used to create recipes where I would really think, okay, what is going to be the thing that's going to make this viral? And I straight up had a diagram of different markers and trends that I would want to hit. And I'd also look at other competitors and different analysis to really make sure that what I was creating would make sense for people. And now, similar to what you were saying, I'm I'm not trying to chase the like-to-like. Instead, I'm trying to spark that creativity in individuals so that they can feel confident to, you know, walk into their kitchen and actually make something for themselves. I think that the stuff that really drives me and, and gets me excited is when people give me feedback and say, wow, I, I loved that video where you showed me the four methods of cooking. I use that in my day to day. And now I feel so much more confident to open up my refrigerator and, and get creative rather than needing to follow every single step of a recipe. Um, I, I want to make sure that people are creating food with care and passion, and I want to be able to break those barriers in the kitchen and show people that they're able to make something amazing if they just believe in themselves, and I'm here to be their pal along the way.
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, that's a nice segue to everything that you've been speaking to, and I definitely want to speak now about your show, Breakfast with Besser. Yes. which highlights, yes. yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. which highlights um, some of Hollywood's hungriest stars and how they navigate their way through the kitchen. What has been your biggest learning as on-camera talent? now, you know, you did mention earlier that you were first grounded on that production side of things, and so I'd love to get an understanding now of, of that observation from kind of behind this lens and now in front of the lens.
1: Totally. It's a great question. Um, so I mean, bottom line, like I've been doing on camera from a very young age, you can definitely find some videos online of me at 15 years old doing some red carpet interviews. Um, but I've always been really passionate about the intersection of food and entertainment. And I think that when it comes to celebrities in this show, They've done every single type of interview show. And I felt obligated to the guest and the viewer to help pull something out of them that maybe the guest hasn't said before, or maybe the viewer hasn't heard before from that guest. Um, So we don't do any research on the show with the guests to think, okay we want them to say, wow, you've done your homework. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that like, that isn't a validating factor for me when a celebrity that I admire comes on the show and says, you've done a great job. You've done your homework. Um, but it is a good way to kind of set the tone for the show and set the tone for the day. Um, I think that in general, my biggest learning experience as on-camera talent is that you really need to prepare, you need to listen, and you need to make sure that you are showcasing how much fun you're having to everyone that's watching. Um, I specifically tried to create that with this show. I mean, I'm also one of the producers on the show. I created the concept. um, And this show took like two years to come to fruition. Um, we started out by filming a little pilot in my apartment and then pitched it to tons of different places. And, and we're very, I feel very lucky that it now is a show that exists on Food Network Kitchen. And we had, you know, SNL cast members like Bo and Yang and Chris Red, and we had um, Broadway stars like Andre De Shields, who's an Oscar away from EGOT status, the original Wiz in the Wiz, and James Monroe Iglehart, who is the original G- genie in Aladdin, and now is part of the Hamilton cast. Um, so it was definitely a pinch me moment, and I walked away from that show saying, "Oh my goodness, if I could do this every day, I would feel like the luckiest girl in the world."
0: Totally. It definitely sounds like a do what you love and you'll never work a day in your a life. A day in your life, <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Um, and my next kind of piggyback question to this is why breakfast? Um, yes. I'd love for you to share the significance of this meal in both your personal life
1: and, and for the show. Totally. Okay. Breakfast, man. I love breakfast. I love it because it's such a good way to you know, set the tone for the day. It's one of the only meals where you can you know shamelessly get away with mixing savory and sweet and and we joked on the show even too with James and Roe we created a um, devil's food crepe cake and we were saying is that even is this dessert or is this breakfast? you guys let us know um, but it allows you to be really creative and I mean on a personal note like I first got into cooking through making breakfast and I think it's such a great entry point into cooking for people. I mean, everyone, if they don't know their way around the kitchen, they at least know how to make an egg or scramble eggs. And if I'm able to give celebrities tips in the kitchen through breakfast and give them confidence in the kitchen, then my goal is to hopefully give viewers that same level of confidence inside themselves through a you know, meal that is something that they may have some point of reference to or some connection to.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I love that foundational approach to breakfast and to your point, um, it is the very first thing I know as a kid, I remember that was the meal in which helped me kind of start getting comfortable, even if it yes, wasn't okay, nice. putting the toast even <laughs> yes. inside the toaster. So yeah, great point there. So speaking back to kind of this digital space, I know that that is a space in which both you and I definitely work and are active. Um, And I just wanted to really speak to that food and its presence on a lot of these platforms, Um, not only on Instagram, but in other places like TikTok. And then obviously with every iteration and new update that comes within these platforms. So as a digital luminary yourself, what do you enjoy most about each of these? And how do you believe technology
1: will continue to shape our perspectives on food? Oh, man. Yes. I mean, it's so interesting because it really is a double-edged sword when you think about it. On one hand, like it's never been easier to enjoy things with the click of a button. But simultaneously, if we aren't careful... I think that the interest of the kitchen can atrophy. And as much as I'm grateful for what technology allows us to do, on on the other hand, it it has never been easier to not use your kitchen and just order your food instead, get great meals with the click of a button. Um, So for me, what I'm really trying to do is, is just make sure that people can still feel grounded and having some knowledge of what to create for themselves. I personally find a balance by making sure that, again, like what I was saying earlier, not chasing the likes and instead trying to put forth a mission, Um, show people my perspective. On a, a personal level, I've really met so many people through social media and it's given me a platform to make sure that I can showcase my voice. But, and that's one of the things that I love about it. I love being able to have a place that almost feels like, you know, a a collage of who I am and what I'm about. But um, simultaneously, I just hope that with the work that I'm doing, I can actually provide A service to individuals. I mean, the food industry is the service industry. And my goal is for people to come and look at my recipes and say, oh my goodness, wow, that was awesome. I'm actually going to get into the kitchen and and make this. And oh my goodness, I can make a restaurant quality meal in the comfort of my own home. Who knew? Uh, And I think that simultaneously, I know that we're trying to avoid the conversations in relation to the pandemic, but how cool is it that we're in a situation where we are being forced to look at our lives differently and figure out what is important to us. And I've been finding a lot of people are making things for themselves in their kitchens in ways that they never have. And, um, I just hope that through all of this craziness, people are able to really, um, you know, find confidence in the kitchen. I know that I just went in 8 million circles there, but hopefully that answers the question a bit.
0: No, yeah, it definitely does. And I think to your point about the COVID kind of, uh, putting a pause on a lot of our lives. I know that this for me has been a huge quarantine keep in terms of yes, totally enjoying the experience of dining out maybe a little too frequently at times, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. in the same breath, being able to embody that same feeling of pleasure that I get when I get to plate something beautifully from my own hands. And so I love, I love that point to it. Um, You spoke And did say, you know, there is this balance between kind of what you're putting online and then also being able to embrace and keep up with your own sanity a little bit (laughs) in terms of uh, digital bandwidth. So I'd love to get a sense of how you find balance in between it all, the maintenance of your online brand, as well as the community and your personal life.
1: Yes. Oh, man. Um, I am a workaholic. I will admit it. Uh, I am guilty of throwing my entire self into my work and, and maintaining the balance is definitely something that as far as personal life versus work life can definitely feel confusing at times, especially because the work that I do does integrate a lot of personal life. Um, I think that the, ways that I try to find balance with the work that I do is, you know, to, to stay in touch with all of the individuals that inspire me on these platforms, but not let it suck me in too much and not let it be all consuming and know that at the end of the day, I have a mission of what I'm trying to accomplish. And I always try to go back and, and in every choice that I make think, okay, does this align with my overall goals? Is this opportunity going to be something that is part of what I'm trying to achieve? Or is it going to be a distraction? Um, And for me, as far as social media is concerned, I really try to, I I personally have trouble sharing a lot of my personal life. um, And that's something that is funny, because a lot of people, you know, really get a ton of attention through sharing every aspect of their personal life. And for me, sometimes I like to just shut that, shut that side of it out so that I can really feel that balance between personal and work and separate them. Um, But then it's hilarious because when I share photos of like me with my family, those are the things that end up doing the best on
0: my social media
1: (laughs) platforms. Um, So I think the main thing And the advice that I like to give other people is don't let it suck you in, use it to your advantage. It is a double edged sword. Like I mentioned earlier, instead, just make a point. I try to make a point to, you know, showcase, I I will use those platforms to spark inspiration, but I will make sure that I'm looking at them at very set times of the day. And I also monitor the amount of time that I'm on said platforms so that I don't get sucked in. Um, I think that really is what it's all about, making sure that you are able to have a healthy relationship with it so that it doesn't end up becoming something that you are a prisoner to where you're constantly comparing yourself with other people. Because um, what what's the fun in that? It's not right. fun it becomes <laughs> it is not it. Fun. and there's a lot of opportunity um, to make it fun. So shape it for yourself to make sure that you have a good time, but you also know when to shut it off and, you know, go do a 15 minute meditation to recenter yourself and ground yourself in the reality that is earth. And honestly, too, like one of the reasons why I love food in general is because It is such a sensory experience and I find that when I am cooking and part of the reason why I pivoted from studying theater and film in college to throwing myself into the food world is because I love how you have to be so present when you're making something because there are so many different factors at play and you're engaging sight, taste, smell, touch, sound. Um, And to me, Having those moments helps me find balance to the surface level screen that we constantly scroll through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think just building on your approach and objective to going on for inspiration or creating and sparking inspiration, I actually want to segue to something that was created as a result of that. talk about the lineup and on the line which has a mission to provide support and exposure to the next generation of great chefs can you give us some backstory to this and your favorite part of supporting the industry via this contribution
1: yes uh what a time it has been so much fun working on this project um so we launched a lineup just like what you said to provide a platform to the next generation of great chefs so When I worked at Lilia, I learned a massive amount from Missy, but I also learned a ton from the line cooks and the sous chefs and the chef de cuisines. And um, there is a hierarchy in restaurants where you have to work for a set period of time in order to achieve the executive chef level. And I do think that is important. But I also think that at the same time, um, these individuals work so hard. And deserve an opportunity to showcase their perspective, showcase their creativity. So we launched a lineup actually in February of 2020, and um, we had our first dinner in Brooklyn. It was a really intimate, awesome dinner um, with Chef Matt Migliori. Um, he was the form he used to work at. Um, he at. Llama Inn and then he was at Morimoto for a while and he is so talented. He was at Madran, he just recently went off to do his own thing. Um and we had the most fun. We basically created their his own restaurant for the night. I was his um right-hand person in everything relating to food, food ordering, menu creation, recipe development, and then we Also worked with other talented local artists and photographers to help bring the restaurant to life. Um, So that was amazing and so exciting. Um, But of course, with the pandemic hitting, it we had to pivot and move it into another direction. So what we decided to do is we decided to launch a digital cookbook um, where we gathered the recipes of 30 plus line cooks and people in beverage individuals, everyone you could imagine from the best restaurants all over the country. And we created this digital cookbook. Um, all the recipes were 10 ingredients or less and, um, 100% of the proceeds were given to the contributing chefs along with three other, um, restaurant relief funds. So it, Is such an insane time in the restaurant industry right now. And it honestly breaks my heart thinking about how many places are going to close and how many individuals whose lives have been completely turned upside down. And our goal was you know, if we can't have these physical dinners, let's still make sure we can support this industry and give a platform to these individuals in any way that we can. So, I mean, back to the whole social media thing. It is wild because we launched this out of nowhere and luckily we had the support from the amazing network that is the restaurant industry, but it it is hard to launch something new and and expect people to pay attention to it. So I'm proud to say that we have sold over 600 copies of the book and um, we hope to eventually create a print version of it and we, we plan on bringing these once everything's back to normal, bringing um these dinners back to brooklyn and hopefully the other um coasts which i consider the other coasts california and chicago the third coast um mm-hmm. and we'll see where it goes but you know you got to treat everyone with the same level of respect and my hope is that the lineup and on the line will be able to continue to inspire and give support to the next generation.
0: I love that. And congratulations on those copies. Um, I also thank you for sharing regarding the 10 ingredients or less. I did not know that. And I actually have been kind of tiptoeing back and forth on my own projections of what food trends would look like for 2021. Um, You know, I know that there were several scallion farms on my newsfeed, as well as sourdough starters. Um, And I think a lot of those really did catapult thanks to social media. So I would love to know which one might have been your favorite and what your own personal food predictions are, whether they're ingredients or recipes
1: um, for, for the new year. Oh man, what a time with all of these different food trends. It's been hilarious. Um, I personally really loved, um, in relation to the scallion farms, I loved seeing everyone regrow their food. I thought that was amazing. And being able to showcase that in the comfort of your own home, you can regrow lettuce and carrot tops and, um, regrow those scallions, like we mentioned, which definitely is the most popular one of the bunch. Um, as far as food trends going forward and predictions, I mean, I actually said on the Food Network yesterday when I was streaming live, um, and this may be like the coldest take ever for me, but I predict that it's going to be all about the leak. So I just discovered Recently, I've been super excited about leeks in general. And it's funny because I actually saw that the first recipe that you ever wrote was a leek recipe, which is very relevant. (laughs) Um, And I cannot get enough of them. I think leeks are fantastic and they have so much to offer everyone when they think onions, they think, you know scallions they think red onion white onion vidalia onion shallot but the leek is it has so much complex flavor and dimension inside of it and you can do so many different things with leeks and I think that people oftentimes feel intimidated by them because they see this giant thing and it is filled with sand And they are like, what am I supposed to do with this? What I don't understand. Um, And I recently have created a few recipes um, with leeks. And I think that they're so delicious and diverse and you can truly do anything you want with them, whether it be putting them in a soup, making... Roasting them, braising them, Um, but every time someone takes a bite into a leek, they're always pleasantly surprised by just how delicious it is. So, cold take leeks are the trend of (laughs) twenty (laughs) twenty.
0: Well, I am all about an allium, so it's it's definitely uh, that was one of my favorite recipes to kind of play around with, and interestingly enough, I love, 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 love the leaks at um, Missy. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to flip this on its head and utilize some of the ingredients that, you know, I'm familiar with, have grown up with that are make me feel kind of at home. So it was really awesome to play with that. But I love that prediction. Yay. Very cool. (laughs) Awesome. Well, As I had mentioned at the top of the conversation, here we are just a couple weeks out from Christmas, which is pretty hard to believe. But, um, you know, this holiday season is definitely going to change the trajectory of how we celebrate with one another. And as you modify your approach, um, I'd love to get a sense of what traditions you're re-exploring or spinning on their head uh, for this time
1: of year. Yes. Oh, man. It is such a wild time. I think that, um, as far as my approach this holiday season is, I really want people to take a pause and use this time to do things that are nourishing for themselves, whether that be, um, You know, making your grandma's dish that really reminds you of them and keeps their spirit alive, even if you're not with them physically, to going on a run outside, socially distanced, with a friend that you haven't seen. Um, I am trying to make sure that I look at this holiday season with a self care approach in mind and not be too hard on myself in if i'm eating too much decadent food or if i'm working too hard on things i just want to be kind and give myself that hug and that love and going back to my roots specifically i am spending one of the first series i ever did was make it into a cookie where i would turn my favorite foods into cookies Um, and I am going to be making a lot of cookies this holiday season. I'm getting back into my kitchen and trying out tons of different cookies. And then I'm planning on sending them to my friends to give them a little surprise love and, and taste of deliciousness to let them know that I'm thinking about them. So um, that's really what I'm trying to do this holiday. And I also hope that through the recipes that I'm showing and through the videos that I'm doing for Food Network and other platforms, that people can watch those recipes and those classes and feel in, feel like they, I'm actually with them in spirit in their home. Um, and that they can, you know, hit me up send me a DM if they ever have any questions with any recipes, but I just want to make their lives a little easier, a little more delicious.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Um, So this is one of my favorite questions and it's actually our standard question um, throughout the entirety of the podcast. But in season one, we've traditionally asked guests, what do you pine for? And if you're new to the concept, it's the guiding philosophy at Pineapple and the idea that admiring other women, women power companies, women products is what creates community. So in yes. the spirit of that tradition, we'd love to know what you are pining for right now. And it can be a person, a place,
1: an idea, or a thing. Yes, uh, I love this question I love pineapple in general I am such a huge fan of lifting other women up I think that everyone needs to realize that there is enough room for everyone and my grandpa used to say if you spread he used to say spread the lettuce it comes back in sandwiches which is a motto that I live by um, <laughs> yeah. and as far as isn't that epic like put it on my tombstone you know um, yeah. I <laughs> Really want um uh, as far as like things I'm pining for and then people I pine for. Um let's start with things. Till it, um, the company Till It. My friend Jenny runs Till It and they make the most amazing uh streetwear meets kitchen wear. So everything from aprons to work shirts to pants to jumpsuits. Um, I love everything they are doing and they've done a really great job, um, helping essential workers by creating, pivoting and making tons of different masks. Um, we actually did an on the line till it mask collab, which was really fun. So love their stuff, love their quality. Definitely a great gift for someone because they do like customized aprons as well. Um, I also... I'm a huge fan of Yola Mezcal. I was introduced yes. to Yola through my cousin, Alex, who actually did the, um, the design for the bottle. He's good friends with all of the ladies over there. And I just think they're such badass women and their product is delicious. I, the Mezcal Negroni is my go-to beverage. So big fan of them and everything that they do. And then when I'm trying trying to, yes, please do. Um, (laughs) when I'm trying to treat myself, I reach for the, um, sour cherry mustache yogurt. I think mustache is just, they are creating the best yogurt. On the planet, in my opinion. And their sour cherry one, even though it is on the more expensive side, all of their yogurts are definitely premium yogurt. Like if you want a personal yogurt, it's going to cost you $8. But in my opinion, you can't put a price on quality and you can't put a price on joy. And whenever I'm feeling down in the dumps, I will get a sour cherry mustache yogurt and it will give my whole soul a hug. And I just love them. Um, As far as people are concerned, I'm gonna give a shout out to three people. The first is my good friend, Eden Grinchman. She has an amazing book that came out recently called Eating Out Loud. And she has been my big sister spirit guide in this industry. She has always looked out for me. And always been such a pioneer of women supporting women. Um, and her work is amazing. And she's so lovely and talented and, and just great. Um, the second person I would love to shout out is um, Missy Robbins, my um, former boss. She has been so encouraging of everything that I've done. And um, it's just been so awesome seeing how she's taken this pandemic and really found tons of creative opportunities through difficulty. I think that is the mark of a true um, creative genius and creative leader um, Mm -hmm. through her MP specialty store that she opened to, at Rockefeller Center to the yurts that she built outside of Lilia with the tasting menu. She is just not letting anything stop her and it is so inspiring to see. And then the third person, and this is very specific to Pineapple, is Arielle Pasterdick, um, one of the co-founders. give it up. <laughs> Ariel gotta love her she I gotta co-sign that one yes she's just such a grounded human that really truly loves lifting other women up and um we so happen to we just by happenstance our neighbors we live like down the street from each other and when she moved to New York from DC I actually met her at their New York launch party for the first time and her spirit just took to me and I love everything she's been doing and I'm just so proud to call her a friend. So thanks for letting me just go off and give you tons of different people and products. Oh my gosh, of course. I love
0: that you actually took and had a response for every single category. So (laughs) way to take on the question. Awesome. Well, our final question for our conversation today actually comes from our friends at Chase Sapphire. And I would love to get your perspective on how you use social media to create and maintain your connections within the dining community. I know you had mentioned that Individuals can feel free to DM you, but I also would love if you could just expound on some of the awesome connections that you have made over the years
1: utilizing your presence. Oh man, Um, that probably is the best part about social media is that it gives you a very quick ability to make connections with people that inspire you um, and people that you really, um, colleagues that I admire in the industry I think that, you know, what I try to do is just keep an eye on everyone that I, you know, follow in the industry, see what they're up to, see how I can make sure that I'm supporting whatever work that they are doing. Um, and I will say that some of these people, like I straight up haven't even met some people in person, but we just, like one person's thing, comment on it, then I may, we may end up DMing back and forth through responding to stories. And then the next thing, you know, you find a situation where you're meeting them in person. Um, I would say I definitely miss meeting people in person at events a lot of connections that I have made have been, you know, maybe I'll follow someone and then we'll end up at the same event. And that kind of plant really sets our relationship. And because we have that face to face interaction. I mean, even with you, for example, I have admired your career and admired what you have been up to. And you mentioned similarly that you followed me for a minute. And here we are having probably the right. longest <laughs> chat that we've ever had. And right, that right. is one of the beautiful things about it. I always say to everyone, the culinary community is so much smaller than you think. Everybody knows everybody. And that's one of the beautiful things about it is, um, through this industry and through the work that we do, we're all creatives and we all love, I mean, the dining community creating beautiful experiences to bring people joy. Instagram community, creating beautiful things to bring people joy. It is the perfect platform that provides that synergy. And um, I just try to stay in touch with friends through it right now. And I cannot wait until the day where we can all, you know, enter a room together, sit down, break bread, have a meal. Um, So for now, the DM will have to do.
0: (laughs) I hear you. And I'm going to echo your sentiments. And until we can meet IRL yes. <laughs> this, has been, this has been an awesome conversation so I thank you so much for your time um it was just really lovely to speak more in depth about how you're doing how you've accomplished what you have thus far and definitely excited to
1: watch what is to come for the future thank you so much and same goes with you this has been lovely and um I apologize if I answered any questions before you asked them. Oh my gosh, I was gosh. just very hey, excited. That's just the yep, <laughs> excited to answer them and, and ready to rock. So your questions were great and um you know I've really admired this podcast and just everything you've been up to. I I really resonate with how you consider yourself a multi-hyphenate because I, I feel the same and I've never really felt found like the right word to describe that. So I, I appreciate you, you having that as part of who you are, because it's true. I I mean, we don't just need to do one thing. We're more than just one thing. And, um, and it's been awesome chatting with you. So, so thank you.